0: Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher.
1: And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life.
0: Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on.
1: You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more.
0: And now, let's get into this week's episode hello hello welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast peter how's it going
1: well it's going well we've had uh, you know some good runs where uh, yesterday was a snowy run but one of those snowy runs where it was actually good because everything dried up so it actually was quite fun thank you for bringing me along on that
0: no problem yeah it was sort of that just right snow just enough to make it a little bit tougher but not so much that it just suck the life out of you. I saw a
1: friend on Instagram was saying, "Oh, the snow looks so pleasant." Indeed, it was like one of those days where you know stuff hadn't melted and uh, you know got all you know black very fluffy, stuff. very yeah. fluffy yeah. snow. Yeah, so it's good, good balance. I hope everyone else is finding balance. Uh, on that topic, you know, we were, we've been at concerts now back to back Saturdays, and one of my things pre-pandemic was I wanted to get back to going to concerts. I don't know if back's the right word because I don't know if I ever went to that many, but I've always enjoyed live music. It sort of seems like magic to me, to be honest. So anyhow, I had set that, so I've been waiting, so we finally, the concerts came back here in Ontario, so we got signed up for the first two we could do locally, basically.
0: It should be pointed out that Glassford at 10pm is just shut oh, down.
1: 10pm, I'm already you know, in we're, bed for we're a while. We're going home. So we've got through, there have been two really, really good concerts, really happy with those, so that was good, but yeah, definitely <laughs> the Sunday Sunday morning after is... It's a yeah, little rough. Is
0: eleven p.m. bedtimes just really tough on us.
1: Lucky for everyone listening, that's when we record these podcast intros. So here <laughs> right. we are, Sunday morning. So, what else is going on? Do we have any other notes?
0: Uh, yeah, not too much. I mean, Shred Girls Book Three came out last week, so it's been like a week and a half. That's right. And, that's right. Yeah, hearing some good. Good, good feedback. About Books that. are
1: in hand, which is good, and mm-hmm. we know we're always nervous with the shipping during these times. So they seem like they're getting to people. Seems like it, yeah. Okay, and we, people can you know give reviews or you know post these pictures if they want. That's always helpful and and fun, and you know nice little kudos for the author there. She likes that. So. I do like that. Yeah.
0: It's true. Um, yeah. And speaking of authors, I'm actually really excited today. We have my friend Celine Yeager on uh, for the second time. She actually was on. Um, we had recorded her interview pre-pandemic and then the interview came out during the pandemic all about gravel racing uh, and she had just had a book out about gravel riding and oh, it's funny right. yeah. uh, we have a friend who says I'm I'm a serial book writer and I would argue that I have taken so many cues in my career from Celine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's an amazing author, writer, athlete, just sort of all around badass. Um, we overlapped at Bicycling Magazine but we also like lived kind of near each other and uh, yeah, she's, she's one of my,
1: she's really cool and favorite humans, very like inspiring in, in bike racing too. I've, I've been, been able to race, uh, you know, with her in the same races and she is tough. <laughs> she is yeah. tough. And like the, just the list of races she's done like, she's basically done it if it's a hard race, I think. Right. Like yeah, pretty much yeah. like
0: all around the world. Yeah. She's awesome. Uh, so if you haven't, if you haven't like followed her, I highly recommend it. Um, she's just really fun.
1: And uh, I think, I'm always interested, you know, she's been writing for a long time and riding bikes for a long time. So, I mean, it's sometimes you're like, oh, wow, she's so tough or so good. But I think, you know, she would agree that, you know, a lot of this stuff doesn't come instantly, right? Like this is probably, you know, what, you know, years and years and years of work, right? Decades, uh, an experience, yeah. Experience, right? And screwing it up and doing it again. And so, yeah.
0: And I think a lot of that actually really informed her writing. So we talk about that in this podcast because uh, in the past year or so, uh, or even two years now, her kind of main topic of focus has actually been menopause. So she uh, she has the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Which I know which, a lot
1: of my clients, mostly female clients, but I uh, really like that one.
0: Yeah, and she has a new book coming out in May called Next Level, Your Guide to Kicking Ass, Feeling Great, and Crushing Goals Through Menopause and Beyond. And that's with Stacey Sims. So uh, they also co-authored Roar Together. It's a very
1: popular book.
0: Yeah, yep. and we've had Stacy on the podcast a couple of times as well. Um, yeah, so... It's really cool seeing celine sort of take what's kind of whatever is kind of going on in her life and then you know ending up researching it and writing about it which i feel like is again very similar to how i approach things so i i really appreciate that um yeah so we have honestly a really great discussion about menopause and i'm gonna call this one a little bit on the menopause for dummies side in the beginning because frankly i I, I think didn't that's know good a though lot was, about was uh,
1: when you first told me about this, I thought you guys were like going in deep on you know intervention and stuff. And and, I think it's and I
0: want to say we do. yeah like, for someone who already knows a fair amount about menopause or is experiencing it and kind of knows some of the basics, we do go really deep on it, but I also needed to to pull it back a little bit because it's not a topic that I'm familiar with, and frankly, I'm now pretty offended at myself for not being more familiar with it because what I didn't realize is, this stuff can start so early and you can be kind of heading towards that even like even in your late thirties, you're already kind of sure. should be thinking about it.
1: Well, it, it strikes me that so much stuff around bone and muscle, you know, you've already sort of cast that stone. Yeah. Right?
0: A lot of this stuff is sort of important when you're fifteen.
1: Yeah, or <laughs> metabolism. I guess there's lots of things. Yeah. You, and even just habits and routines, right? I think it's not even this mysterious body, it's you know, even just the things we do day to day probably. Have a big, you know, if you're already strength training, you know that's a piece of this, the interventions, right? So it's you know not really you're yeah, doing it, yeah. yeah. And
0: I really appreciated something you got really honest about the more mental side, like the anxiety and stuff that comes with the hormone dips, and right. it's really like it's experiencing a lot more anxiety and stuff like that is really prevalent as you kind of head into that menopause. So
1: whether, you know, yeah, whether you're set up or not, right exactly. here, these are part of it. Yeah. Very interesting. And
0: last week we talked about, uh, I've started therapy. So this is sort of very much along those lines of that. Okay. Let's, let's start getting stuff figured out earlier rather than mm. waiting for waiting for when, you know, things could go, go a little bit more sideways
1: it strikes me similar to, to the, another, I really like the book anyhow, but the fast after 50 is a pretty popular one by Joe Friel. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, I've been, you know, I, I thought similar with that one, right? Like, and I think he said that, you know, even when you're 30, a lot of these principles, you know, there was recovery, maybe you should look at, you know, making sure you're not just dropping, you know, intensity out cause you don't race anymore or something. Uh, you know, so, and nutrition and the importance of that. Right. So it's I found the same thing that it was like, you know, once you're into your 30s, you're like, you could probably start, you know, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I will say with this episode, so obviously women who are experiencing going, heading into menopause, going through menopause, obviously this episode is primarily for you. But I would also argue it's for women who haven't gone through it yet or even, you know, years or decades away from it. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of great information to have. So you just kind of know what's what's coming. Uh, and I think for for men, I'm going to argue a lot of this information is the same, right? St- start strength training early, even if you're an endurance athlete. Uh, you know, eat more, eat more fiber. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> tame, tame your stress and lower your anxiety as much as possible when things are, things are going okay. Uh, all of these things are reasonable practices for men. Also, I'm just going to throw it out there. Most men have some women in their lives. Sure. And, whether and, I mean,
1: younger women have older women in their lives, too, mm-hmm. right? where you could either understand what they're going through, because uh, sometimes you can't, you know, often you can't change what other people are doing with their lives and their habits and so forth. But you might be able to be like, hey, try this protein or...
0: Or even just be a bit more empathetic. I think yeah.
1: it's
0: it, it definitely, talking to Celine, I didn't really realize how much of the, the mental side of it, both just mentally like going through this change in life is just kind of this big moment for a lot of women you're suddenly like, oh geez yeah um, like you're, you're
1: experiencing it but then there's also how you're experiencing it is possibly affected right so you're you know you're anxious because you know your body's changing or you're whatever you're having hot flashes or whatever uh but then also how you might react to that could exactly. be exactly yeah.
0: hmm. So, I think it definitely gave me a very different look at a lot of of women in my life. So, I think it's worth listening to whether or not you are currently in perimenopause or menopause. So, I think we should let Celine get to it. Uh, So, head over to consummateathlete.com to grab the show notes. And if you want to pre order her new book, we'll link to all of her books
1: the Gravel Mm -hmm. one people might have missed with the pandemic and so forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then that Roar book as well. And then also
0: uh, hit hit
1: play, not pause. Mm -hmm. And then the pre order for the upcoming book, yeah, next level.
0: There we go. Good job. Awesome. All right. Enjoy this episode with Celine Yeager. Celine Yeager, welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast again. <laughs> I'm so glad to be back. It's nice to catch up. Oh my gosh. It feels, I was thinking about it because it feels like it was only yesterday that I was talking to you about gravel racing. About gravel. But, about gravel. But that was pre-pandemic. So it was, it was a, a lifetime ago at this <laughs> <laughs> at this point a lifetime <laughs> those events had to
2: change snap. their names
0: I mean a lot has happened <laughs> yeah so um bereave briefly I guess uh what the heck have you been up to lately how is gravel racing and life going for you things are
2: going well you know I, I actually just did get back from a couple of um gravel events that I have not done officially I mean I did the the Big Sugar, I was part of the media team that went down there before the world ended um, and, and wrote the course. But now we actually had to have the event. And it, it was it was very well put on. It was very fun. That one's down in Bentonville and very beautiful course. I really like that part of the country. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was out in Patagonia, Arizona, for the spirit world, which was kind of rad, too. It goes from this tiny, tiny, tiny little desert town to the Mexican border and back and it's funny you you kind of get there close and your phone pings and it tells you like the rates in Mexico for like it's like welcome <laughs> to Mexico you know what I mean the, like the texting rates and yep, stuff it yep. comes up on your phone it's kind of hilarious so gravel is alive and well and it's funny when I was a, you'll appreciate this because of our last conversation when I was in Bentonville um I was looking around while while on course and I could not Believe how many m-dot tattoos I was seeing on calves. I was like, Gravel is the new Iron Man, here we are. Just so many Iron Man tattoos it was hilarious.
0: That is amazing. Yeah. And I wonder if you like looked around the cars in the parking lot, how many of the Iron Man stickers and the 140.6 stickers you totally. see in the bumpers.
2: <laughs> totally. It was really funny.
0: So, why? I mean, as both of us are in that former Iron Man turned people who do gravel category, what do you think about? Why? What what happened that changed this like Iron Man thing? Yeah, you know, I don't.
2: I, I I've been thinking about that. I'm like, why? Because they are very separate vibes for sure. I mean, there are definitely some gravel races that are races. I mean, they are road races in disguise on dirt, right? Like, there's no yep. question about that. But this this was not one of them. You know, Big Sugar was not one of them, and. I mean, and I've seen, I've seen a lot of dots at a lot of events. And I think it's kind of the same, the same thing where it is an individual sport for sure. Like, you know, you don't need a team. It It's hard. It's very long. You know, it has all those elements to it. It's quite self-supported. So I do think that it sort of still attracts that same, like, I wonder if I could do that mentality. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's really part of it. It is, and it's good training, you know, if they're still going to be doing Ironman, it is a good training day, but, and, and, um, it's not as, you know, like, what are you going to do on the road? Are you can do crits. You're going to do, I mean, it's just, you know, it just offers a different alternative and it's still, you can still be competitive. I, know, I, I can see, I can sort of see the connection. I was surprised by it at first, but the more I saw it the more I was like, okay, I get it
0: you know what i think you're right i hadn't actually thought about it but with road racing if you don't have a team you're just never gonna like place or really go forward you can do
2: fondos you know but there's not it's not there's not the scene you know like you can do people are getting gravel race tattoos you know like so you can you can still follow that path that trajectory and uh you've got another calf
0: you can totally (laughs) <laughs> totally. Although, what would a gravel tattoo? And now I'm like, do you just get like a mud splatter tattoo up your calf? <laughs> well,
2: you know, there are people who have the race now known as Unbound. They're former, you know, I don't. Yeah. I mean, they have the old name tattooed oh, dear. on them. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, it was called that, but yeah, it's kind of, you look at that and you're like, oh, okay. That's interesting.
0: Okay. So pro yeah. tip, probably don't tattoo a race name. It's on like you tattooing because... your
2: boyfriend's name on you or something like me. You might want to think about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. And also since we last spoke, you started a podcast, you have the hit play, not pause podcast. Um, That is true how did that come about? And I mean, give our audience, I know a lot of our listeners actually do listen to it, but for those who don't give a, give right. them of sort course. of the overview of what it is. Well, it is
2: a, um, a podcast for female athletes or active performance minded women, because so many women don't like to call themselves athletes. <laughs> you know, like, so if you exercise and you care, you can come on and listen who are in the menopausal transition. You know, so hence the little bit of play on words, hit play, not pause. And it, we started it last October and it's been enormously well received. I kind of knew I was plugging into something when I started it, but we have well over a half a million plays. You know, it, it's been huge. It's been huge. And it's funny because I had no, in t- like, I did not set out with the goal of starting this thing. Like, I wasn't like, I'm going to start this podcast. Uh, as you probably remember, I was co hosting a cycling podcast. Uh, on the pace line. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where I sort of really fell in love with, with the process and really liked podcasting. So it had been in the back of my mind, I'd love to do something else because I really enjoy this format. I like this and nothing sparked and nothing else. I'm like, "Eh, you know, it'll come to me if it comes to me. And I'm working on a follow-up to Roar with Dr. Stacy Sims, you know, and that is also for this audience. It is basically a 40 plus going into the menopausal transition book. And the people who Stacy hires to do her media and to work with her knew that we were doing this book. It's called Feisty Media, that company. They came to me and they said, Hey, you're doing this book with Stacey. You know, we want to sort of like start a menopause arm to our own company. And, you know, we were wondering, you know, feisty menopause, they have feisty triathlon, they have all these feisty brands. Would you do, would you be willing to do a a webinar, you know, just to like talk about this subject? And I just said, you guys need a podcast. And they said, would you like to do it? And I said, yes. And (laughs) like in three weeks, they're like, well, we could launch it in the end of September. I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing a podcast. And that is how it started
0: amazing um okay we need to back out to just like the concept of covering menopause because i feel like yes. i mean this is sort of similar to when i was writing saddle Sore. it was <laughs> know, it's an awkward yeah. topic to suddenly look be the person who's like the expert on it. Right. Like totally. it's really weird when people are like, oh, hey, let me talk to you about like issues with numbness and my labia. Um, and right. you know, like I'm if-
2: getting a lot of the conversations I'm having now. I'm like at the start lines, it's hilarious. I'm like, wow, thank you. So okay. Can we talk about this later?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like a thing you have to really lean into. So, I mean, for you, yeah. like, did you, did you plan, did you say like, okay, this is, I'm going down this menopause road. This is going to be my thing. Or I mean, it, it takes it's funny courage, I think, to like I, decide that this is the thing that you're going to lean into.
2: It was very interesting, uh, Molly, because I am very spontaneous and I do like, if something sounds good, I say yes and I figure it out. And that's kind of how this went. And then literally the night before when we were going to launch, it hit me and I was like, what am I doing?
0: <laughs> like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, I'm the what? menopause athlete person right, now.
2: Right, right, right. I'm like, you know, but, but it spoke to the deep entrenched sort of shame and stigma and all that stuff that I wanted to push back against. And I was like, if not me, who, you know, like somebody has to open their mouth and somebody has to like, step into this and shame on me. If I like shrink back because like, I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to admit that I am menopausal, you know, be like, because it's because society, you know, all that stuff. So I was just like, I'm going to do it. And you know, I'm, I can't be happier that I did. You know, it's, it's, it has opened. I I hear like the conversations are everywhere. Now it's kind of like when we first started talking about periods and racing with menstrual cups and like that like now it's just sort of normal to talk about it. And I feel like, you know, once it just takes one person to step up and be willing to say something and that the power of that is uh it never ceases to amaze me it really it really doesn't like it it's it's been it's been enormously gratifying mm-hmm. I can't even begin to tell you so many women have literally stepped out of the shadows and they were 100% hiding in the shadows and because they tell me that they're like I was ashamed, I didn't know, I didn't want to talk about it. I thought I was done. I thought it was just like, I I hear these stories so much they make me cry. And I'm just like, this is like very important work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm like, as I'm like thinking about this, I have so many follow-up questions here. (laughs) Um, I'm gonna get a little like tangential though. I feel like this is really interesting because I mean, you know, you've been a sports journalist for a very long time. And I would argue you were one of, one of the first endurance sports journalists who is a woman. Yep. So I do feel like a lot of this stuff actually like has come about like talking about periods, talking about a lot of stuff. Like you are one of the people who brought that to the forefront. um, Because again, like you were a woman going through this thing in this public eye sort of same as I ended up writing Sword because I was getting asked about it. Um, And, you know, I think we're maybe behind on it. Now we're finally catching up because like you're still like one of the only (laughs) <laughs> more mature sports female journalists so
2: it's a it's a weird the thing first it's of a us weird... to like hit this it's such a yes I know I know I'm, I'm fully aware <laughs> of these things the funny thing is Molly is that I work by myself and I forget that anybody listens or reads <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I mean Ooh, so yeah. I'm always I'm always shocked when I got I'm like oh people are hey people are reading and listening hey how about that it's yeah. a very weird weird thing because you know I mean you can look because I'm sitting in this room I've been sitting in this room for 17 years you know? like, <laughs> and before that there was another room you know exactly just, yep yeah <laughs> so yeah I mean it's 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 in many ways it's very cool honestly mm-hmm. it's very cool I feel like um, to be able to make a difference in, in this world is my God, that's to be able to say that in any capacity is an enormous thing. And that is not lost on me.
0: Yeah. No, I'm very
2: grateful that I've had these opportunities.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And I mean, obviously, you know, everyone should go back and listen to the episode we had with you before. We've had Stacey on a couple of times talking about, you know, stuff out of Roar. So I think most of our audience is is very familiar with that book, but I mean and it touches on menopause in there, but it doesn't Yeah, it doesn't one chapter it. and boy. Yeah.
2: It's funny. I mean, I talked about that a lot. Like, you know, because obviously that book I felt like had to cover a woman's hormonal journey, right? That pregnancies in it. You know, all that all of it is in that. Mm-hmm. But at the time, menopause was the last thing on my mind. I mean, I was racing in Brazil with Rebecca Rush. You know, I mean, I just and we're the same age. When neither of us was talk, we're talking about any of that stuff. I, looking back, I was certainly going through, um, you know, I was having night sweats. I was having anxiety that I didn't understand was connected. Like now, I understand that, but I was in like wicked anxiety sometimes. I'm just like, I just thought, oh, this is life, you know, because I'm I'm not the chillest person, you know, and in, in like <laughs> to begin with. Um, well, I am, but I'm not. But anyway, I mean, you get the idea. Mm-hmm. So, but but we we I thought that this is a long way of saying that i thought one chapter was enough until i got there. you know yeah. and we had been we had been hearing pushback from some women who were there who were like we could use more than one chapter and i'm like oh, what are you going to say? and then i got there I was like stacy we actually the right.
0: you know and she's like yes they are. so yeah. <laughs> I think it's very, very difficult to write any of that stuff when you haven't until you're in been it. There. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, I, I, I was writing about menopause when I was 28 for Prevention magazine. I had zero business doing that. None. Yep. <laughs> I'm so I have apologized so many times for that period. I just didn't know. You don't know. I really didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I try to be very careful now in my life to know what I don't know. But at 20, I didn't. At 28, I had no idea for sure so, yeah. um,
0: okay you mentioned something very casually that terrifies the that terrifies me to my very core when you mentioned like starting around 40 um can you kind of like talk through... uh, it was it was,
2: was mid 40s you got some time like
0: <laughs> yeah what are we talking about when we talk about like perimenopause menopause can you give just kind of like a brief um explanation sure. of this like sure. time in our lives just sure to... sure, sure.
2: <laughs> yeah 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 no i get it and you know, and, and I should actually step back and, and take those words back because for some women, it does start that early for me. It, it, I was probably, I'd say 46 when some of that started happening, that I was just blowing off, you know, and now in retrospect, I can look back when I hit 48, 49, it was abundantly clear that something was happening. Um, yeah. So what, so everybody thinks like as women, if we think about our hormones at all, and let's be clear, most of us don't, um, you know, we, if we think of estrogen and progesterone, which are primary sex hormones, we just think about them in sort of the symphony of our menstrual cycle, right? Like they sort of dictate that they, they're involved in eggs and pregnancy and bleeding and all that, you know, like that's, that's all we ever really think about them, but they are, as I have learned part of pretty much every metabolic process that we have uh, estrogen and progesterone are they help regulate our body temperature. They help regulate our uh, carbohydrate and protein metabolism. Uh, they're neuroprotective. So they work with our brain. They work with our moods. They work with neurotransmitters. They are anabolic. They are involved with immune processes. I, c- I could go, I, I mean, I could just go on and on and on. So When, when you reach a point where you start kind of shooting blanks, like your eggs aren't, you know, like you're not having, there's another word for that that's scientific, but you know, it's a non-ovulatory cycle, blah, 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 (laughs) blah, you know, but like, so what happens is your, your egg supply starts to, you know, like it's, it starts being less uh, predictable and that messes up that synchronicity of those hormones that have been dancing in this very rhythmic way this whole time. And now you end up with like, When you look at the graphs at what happens with those two hormones during perimenopause, which is usually about five to seven years before the end of your cycle, menopause is one moment in time. It's when you've gone 12 months without a period. That's all it is. So the the years leading up to it are called perimenopause when those hormones start really, really fluctuating. And it's actually that fluctuation that women find most disruptive because it causes this, it not in everybody. Most people get something. Some women get hit very hard. It's kind of almost like, look at it like PMS. Like some women have extreme PMS because they're reacting those, you know, the ups and downs of the hormones. Some women get really bad perimenopause and some, some women don't, you know, but most people have something, I mean, because they, they are so impactful. So that is that period. But if you don't know that those hormones do all those things and you're suddenly like, having anxiety, some of them get vertigo or having like these crazy symptoms. So you'll have women going to like, you know, an orthopedist or a rheumatologist and then to like somebody for their headaches and somebody for all this stuff. And nobody is helping them connect the dots because as I have been astonished to learn like only 20%, I think is the number of medical students learn about menopause. So like GP, no kidding. And I'm talking OBs too. Like OB gins don't like nobody learns. I, there was a, it was, there was a huge study that just came out and it, 2020, not that long ago, that only 7% felt any qualification of talking about menopause of medical students in the survey. It was stunning. And this is this included like really some of the arms that you think should like an OBGYN.
0: So it- <laughs> This is perplexing it, to me because if you think amazing. about it, like I mean, first of all, not every, like I feel like so much of it is just focused on women and like the ability to bear children. And like, yes. A- many of us will not end up having children like that. That's mm-hmm. also an option. Um, but then B, I mean, childbearing years are about like the same amount of time almost as like perimenopause. And then menopause is, I mean, the rest like it's of half your life.
2: life. <laughs> if it starts, I mean, seriously, like if if you're one of the women and some women start, you know, at, at 42, say it starts at 42 I mean, you're looking at like from that time, if you live to be 81, which is the average, like you're looking at just about half your life in
0: that, in that space. So the fact that we haven't figured out how so much time is not dedicated to how to improve quality of life and make all of this work well is just bonkers to me. We could talk all about the patriarchy (laughs) medical
2: system if you would like, but that's another podcast. That's another podcast. Oh my God. The things that I've learned. Anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm also afraid because all of the questions I have, I feel like the answer is going to be shocker. There hasn't been research done on this.
2: Um, Well, I mean, I will say that a lot there is, there is much more happening now and it's starting to happen, but there, and there is understanding about the hormone effects themselves, but it's, yeah, there's a lot to be done because the research that was done, you know, the women's health initiative back in 2002, 2001, it was, on on hormone therapy was terrible i mean it was a disaster of a study and the only reason that it got out is because they spent like a billion dollars on it like if you listen to estrogen matters which is one of the podcasts that i did with the people who who just completely skewered all of that research that scared millions of women away from hormone therapy it's it's outright criminal it's outright criminal how Mm -hmm. it like what happened with that research so
0: yeah yeah Uh, okay so menopause and endurance athletes. I think my first, my first question I was sort of thinking is, I mean, how does being an endurance athlete actually affect going into menopause or does it, or is it different for every woman?
2: No, that's, that's a good question. I mean, by and large, you are better. um, You sort of get through it all better being an active person, right? It's almost like anything like exercise is good for you. And like, what you're doing as an active person, you know, is helping your body cope with some of the stresses of those systems anyway. So like, it is, it is better for you to be going into this as an active person, but, but it absolutely affects, you know, your, your training and your racing. And that's, that's one of the first things a lot of women will say is like, I've always done X, Y, and Z in my training and it yielded ABC. Right. And now all of a sudden, like that is not happening, you know. And like, why is that not happening? And it it's because they're losing a lot of the the hormones that help the processes. So right. if you're losing estrogen, I mean, that was one of the first things I noticed. I'm like, where did my muscles go? I mean, I've always been an ex- as you know, a super muscly woman. You and I but Like that that <laughs> seemed to ha- go away literally overnight, and I was like, that is really crazy but but the hormones actually do like in some women they kind of go off a cliff it's not like men's testosterone just dwindles sort of like a nice long lead off ramp women's don't it's like lemmings off a cliff for some it's like it's here and then it's gone (laughs) and it has a really profound effect right so you know like all of a sudden you're just like you know, your when your muscle starts going, that impacts your training, that impacts your racing. And then muscle protein synthesis is harder and you get more carb sensitive and more insulin resistant. And that affects your nutrition. Thermoregulation regulation gets affected. So, you know, I was talking to Magda Belay and she's running the Leadville and she's like, I have a hot flash and now I'm freezing and like, I'm taking off my, you know, putting on my clothes, taking off my clothes. I mean, just planning sort of like how to manage your body temperature at 13,000 feet, you know, at a hundred mile race. It's another, like, there's, it's not like none of this stuff can be done, but you have to know what's going on and you have to be prepared yeah. for it. And a lot of the things that, you know, very simply, I mean, we're writing a whole book on this, right. But very simply, what you need to do in those training spaces then is try to pick up some of the work that those hormones have done before. And that's why you've heard us talk about lifting heavy shit ad nauseum, right? That's because you really need that strong stimulus to do what the, you know, what your estrogen used to do. Like you're just, you're stepping in a little bit and you try, you have to like pick it all up and polarized training becomes a bit better because, you know, you want that strong stimulus on all the ends, but then you really need that recovery and all that middle ground just isn't working as well because your cortisol is a little higher and it just creates more stress in the body and it's harder to recover from, you know, so there's definitely ways to manipulate it, but if you don't know what's happening and what all the stuff that's underpinning it, then you're kind of just grabbing in the dark. And what many women do immediately is like, I've got to train more and eat less. And it just, right. Like that's the first thing people reach for. And it it's disastrous because all that does is create more stress and, and you already have higher cortisol levels because estrogen and pressure, they're not helping bring that down, you know? So it's like, that's the last thing you want to do, but that's the first thing everybody tries to do.
0: For sure. Yeah. Um, and this also got me sort of thinking about even heading into this, this time of life. I mean, so many of us that are serious endurance athletes have hit those, like we've either touched on red S or like dabbled, Mm -hmm. dabbled into Mm -hmm. it or at, uh, almost at minimum at this point, most of us have had periods of like overtraining and probably some underfueling, Um, and all of that causes this huge cascade of hormones. So now I'm just thinking about sort of those two so things much worse. Like, bumping up against each other.
2: <laughs> it's so much worse. And, and it can be especially bad, uh, for women who are very perimenopausal, who may not be having predictable periods at this point. Right. Because they like one of the big red flags is you're losing your menstrual cycle. But if you already don't have your menstrual cycle because you're in this perimenopausal pl- place where you're like missing it for a few months or whatever, like you don't have that signal, you know? So mm-hmm. now you have to be like very, but it's like, it's really important to stay out of that territory. Really important to stay out of that territory because you cannot afford to lose muscle and bone. You can't. Like the bone slippage that happens at, at menopause is precarious. Like any, you just don't want to like, you don't want to go into that territory where it slides more and red S is really bad for that. So, I mean, we always tell people we like fed athletes are better. Like just fuel your, if nothing else, if you do nothing else, fuel your activity, right? Because that will keep you, because if you, even if you're eating enough calories, like say like you eat all your calories at the end of the day, but you still go into your training. Not fueled and you don't recover it. Your body is reacting the same way as if you didn't eat enough. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like, but if you, even if you're, if you're not hitting, like you're not getting quite as much fuel as you probably should. If you have fueled that main activity, you're still in a much better space. You're, you're way less likely to go into that, that red zone.
0: Yeah, and that's something that Stacy and I have talked about before too. The fasted training is just for some reason this thing that will not go away. Um, I, I don't know how like how it's been around for like six years. And the research
2: on men is even not good now.
0: Like a it's, study just came out, like eh, you know, like literally
2: it was like man. And like some of the researchers who were behind it were like tweeting, like I'm kind of surprised by this result, <laughs> you know, because it just like it just wasn't all bad. and.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's such a funny thing. And I mean, intermittent fasting has been really trendy for a few years.
2: Like 90% of the people who say they're keto are not doing keto. Like, if you talk to anybody who's really a ketosis person, they're all like, nobody, like, it's so easy. It's so hard to stay in ketosis. Like people who actually do it and like check themselves and check their ketones and all that stuff. They're like, all you have to do is look at a potato and you're out of keto. Right. And, but, Every, you're just doing low carb. Just call it low carb. You're not. You're not doing keto.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay. Speaking of carbs, you did mention that as we hit the, the hit perimenopause, mm-hmm. we're gonna be a bit more sensitive to carbs. So, yep, And a little bit
2: more insulin resistant. That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what is the answer if we want to be fueled yet also be like aware of the the carb sensitivity? Because that's that's a really difficult uh, line to walk, right? Especially when you're an endurance athlete. It
2: is, it is. And it's, you know, but it the, the advice is timeless and not sexy. It's just like getting more fiber rich carbs, you know, like really saving the pasta and saving the other stuff for like when you actually need that stuff, you know, and there's mm-hmm. a time and a place for it, but then just like being choosier because you, like for your gut health, which is also something that is very important during this transition, you want like a lot of prebiotics, you know, you want a lot of that plant fiber and you want a lot of stuff. So all the beans, legumes, you know, plant-based pulse-based pastas, like good actual good bread. I mean, it's, it's easy to do. You just have to put a little bit of thought into your carbs, you know, which most people should be anyway, honestly, it's just like make them more nutrient dense.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, it's always so funny because I mean, I think you and I've probably said this so many times over the years where it's just like the best advice is often like the most obvious and the least sexy advice you can possibly 100%. give but oh God, you know what it's true it's true <laughs> and then you ask somebody
2: if they've actually ever tried it and they're like no no that's, <laughs> well, that's not fun. give it a shot yeah. you know? just just yeah. try it before you
0: drink those terrible ketone esters why don't
2: you give it a shot Ugh. yeah
0: Okay. So let's talk about like your, your journey as far as like going through this. So once you realized that you were hitting this perimenopause situation, I mean, what are some of the things I freaked out? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's fair. Uh, What are some of the things that you have done? That's been like helpful for getting through this uh, in a strong, successful way. I
2: actually did freak out because I was in the process of writing the book and, um, and, and shit was going sideways. I mean, I, I can't, there's no other way to say it. And I literally wrote to Stacy and said, I don't know if I can write this book. It's I, too you know, real. I, it's too real. I, well, I said, but I said, if I can't, like, I, I have made it a policy quite a while ago that I'm not going to write anything. I don't believe personally. And if I'm going to be giving advice, I have to be able to like, believe what I'm saying. And I was just like, I'm like, if I can't get on top of this, then I can't tell other people how to get on top of this. Right. Like it was that simple. And she's like, calm down. (laughs) Like it's all, it's all going to be okay. And, you know, she really did have me like, look at, I I did the thing that we just talked about. I really looked at what I was doing. Like I really looked at my training. I had not been lifting heavy at all. Like I had not been doing that piece at all. Mm -hmm. I was still, I had been spending an awful lot of time in sweet spot, like, cause that's just a great, that's a fun place to be, you know? So I was just spending a lot of time there. I, you know, my sleep needed some work. My approach, like I just needed some, I just needed to like step it up, you know? So the things that worked well for me, starting to lift heavy really helped me a lot like that. I felt that very quickly. I was like, okay, that's cool. Like I felt that I started taking, um, I had never really taken anything for sleep, but I started taking a CBD product that has ashwagandha and melatonin in it. And oh my Lord, boy, do I <laughs> like that was like, cause I tracked my sleep too. And I was just like, that is amazing. Like how well that works, you know? So I started, I had always used adaptogens, like optogen and some of those adaptogens when I was training at high intensities, but there's all kinds of ones that work in this space very well because they bring down that cortisol, you know, so like drop the anxiety, let you get on top of it. And all that actually also helps with that insulin piece, you know, because cortisol and insulin, how they f- affect each other. So, you know, just sort of like taking those steps and getting on top of all that, like I felt better. I was able, like it wasn't like a light switch, but it was pretty quick. And I was like, okay, like I now, feel confident, like in giving this advice and like shining a light to help somebody else through this tunnel.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not going to lie though. Hearing that list is very overwhelming when I'm thinking about like in the context of, you know, your normal life and now we're adding in lifting heavy and now I need to worry about my sleep and I'm like checking my like carbs and all of this. Uh, uh,
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, I get, I totally, I totally, totally get that, but you know, there's no there's no sugarcoating it that if you want to stay in the game for a long time, it does take more thoughtfulness. I mean, there's just no there's no way around that. And yeah. and I, and I'll tell you that when you're in it, it's not that bad. Like I don't I and I think maybe it's because I I legitimately feel so good. You know, if <laughs> I, if it if it wasn't satisfying, and I will say that the beauty of lifting heavy is it doesn't take long. Like I'm, you know, like it's True. literally a 20 minute like literally a 20 minute piece of, of my day sometimes and that um that is very satisfying too so it, it's it's not that bad it's just it is just it's just changing because you have to evolve as an athlete with time no matter yeah. what
0: fair enough fair enough um that, that makes sense. Okay. So you've also had, you know, now you've had all of these experts coming on the podcast. I, I'm sure you talked to a billion and one people for the book. Um, can you give us some like, maybe some of the more unexpected stuff around menopause that you didn't, ex- like you didn't know before and you were just kind of blown away by when you had any of these experts on?
2: You know, the, I've already sort of tipped my cards on that because I didn't know any of that stuff about estrogen I didn't know it was anabolic like I just didn't know that like that that was very surprising to me our what also surprised me is our brains and the New York Times just did a big piece on this and I'm I'm hoping to have the researcher on in the near future that our brains physically change Lisa Moscone did a study where she literally did brain scans on women and men and women outside of the transition like all these brain scans and the, your Our matter physically changes during the, the, the menopause transition, like gray matter, white matter physically change. And for most women, they return to a, a baseline, but for some women, they don't. And that's super important because there's a risk, the risk of dementia and the risk of Alzheimer's for, for women goes up and they, they really want to understand that piece. They really want to understand like, OK, what are these hormones doing in the brain and why are some women very vulnerable to those changes and the loss of it? um you know all that kind of stuff like i i had no idea
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know and speaking I, I, there's always been this question you know you, you wonder like okay like what benefit is it to the body to have these um these body composition changes you know every like the first thing a lot of women complain about is all of a sudden they're they're putting on fat where they didn't before you know like there's especially around the abdomen and and you know the hips and blah 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 And, um, you know, I had a a show on with Diana Reed, who's, who's a dietician who, who works in this area and, and fat tissue also produces a weaker form of estrogen called estrone. So as your estrogen goes, your body's like, well, damn, I need some of that. And it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that it would, that, you know, and some women have you know, there are a lot of women who I have heard from, from all over the world. They're like, you know, the average weight gain isn't that much, but for some, but the average is here, but that means there's people on either side of that. And for some women, it's, it's quite, it's quite profound. And, you know, it, it could be that their estrogen, like I talked about before, just dropped off so precipitously that their body's just like, we gotta get, you know, we've got to sound the alarms here. Mm-hmm. so it's 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 interesting like our our body's always trying to like keep some homeostasis, right trying to mm-hmm. keep something we want those hormones we don't have those hormones those hormones are really gone. let's put on fat, let's produce more hormones you know so and that's where it comes down to that piece of understanding that and then trying to like do some of that work that those hormones you know were doing like try to give your body some of that that function back uh it it's fascinating stuff and like we're again, you know, we are just starting to understand all this, but like it, it's good to have a, an understanding of how, how our physiology works. And I think we, you know, it's just something that we don't learn enough about.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one kind of common misconception is this idea that after menopause, women are now just basically like exactly like men, as far as just like it's so not true. No, no differences or whatever, because you hear that like tossed around every once in a know. while. And, and it's, it drives it's me
2: garbage. It's it makes garbage. me so
0: mad. Um.
2: Yeah. No, it's 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 true garbage. It's, it's just not, it's not, I think they, I think that came from, um, you know, because our heart disease risk starts to look similar, right? Because estrogen is not protecting us the same way. Estrogen is very protective of the blood vessels, you know, and mm-hmm. like, once that's gone, like we, our risks of what have typically been called male diseases start to become very parallel with, you know, those of men. So it's... So that kind of trash gets her now like, oh, then we just become just like men. But that that's not true on so many levels. Yeah. You know, and and our testosterone. I just had a show on testosterone that also made my head want to explode because even though women make it and women need it, we there are no FDA products that are approved for women. And it's not part of menopausal hormone therapy. Like it has to be used off brand and there's no dosage. So it's really hard to like get it right in women because somehow
0: guys can walk into the doctor and be low tea
2: store yeah and just be like oh yeah i have a
0: cold and they're like here's some testosterone (laughs) so (laughs) yes
2: yes we talked about that yes
0: uh yeah it's that's fascinating to me um And okay, actually, on the note of your podcast, if someone was going to listen to it, they've heard this now they're excited about it. Is there an episode you'd recommend as like a good starting point that kind of lays out any of the basics? I honestly think
2: episode number one with Stacey Sims, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's one like it's got a billion listens to it because it definitely lays the groundwork for like Mm -hmm. what this is all about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And the last thing I really want to touch on is. Very selfishly, here uh, for someone who is pre perimenopause uh, mm-hmm. so you know, I'm probably like yep. hopefully ten years out, could be less, could be more, we'll see uh, <laughs> what can I be working on now to sort of guarantee the smoothest transition possible
2: yeah, no that's a good question, and i i, I think like what would I have done differently you know had I known and and I'm not sure it would have been that much, I mean, I probably would have. Paid a bit more attention to the strength training piece, which I just kind of let slide. But I, you know, you, you like you. I mean, I was naturally muscular, and I just didn't worry about it. So I might not have done that either. I think, I think one of the things that I I would advise people of because what sneaks up on women is the anxiety piece and is the depression piece, and is that like if you don't know where that's coming from and that it could be hormonal, it can really wreak havoc with your life and you know, it's important. It's important to understand the underlines of that. And having some sort of stress relief, mindful, whatever you want to call it. I mean, some people like roll their eyes when you say a mindfulness practice, or you talk about meditation, but our breath work, what what, box breathing, whatever works for you, but that becomes really important. Like Mm -hmm. that becomes really important because of that, that, that stress and anxiety piece can't be under under looked. It, it's very important and having some tools to keep that in check is very it becomes increasingly important I can't stress that enough it helps you sleep better it helps you think better it helps you manage the transition and with some clarity without without it it's a little it's a little difficult
0: Mm-hmm. And it's actually it's really interesting you said that because I actually just started going to a therapist and one of like the reasons when I started talking to her, she's like, Oh, like what you know, what made you want to come in? And I was like, uh, this is sort of my preventative situation because I don't have any major crises right now, but I would like to be prepared for them when they inevitably happen. Wow. <laughs> so uh That's very proactive I, of you. I'm in preventative therapy. <laughs> yeah, but i but that will
2: serve you well i mean it it just will and and there's there's uh it's funny like that part of it is so interesting to talk about because you know as a mountain bike racer and and talking to rock climbers on the show and talking to people who you know do things that are scary um you know to talk to a woman who's been like who would go off a jump in her sleep all of a sudden just stop at the edge of it and can't do it you know that's very Mm -hmm. disconcerting it's it So to, to have like things to center yourself and to to ground yourself and to have those coping skills are really important, you know, I mean, you'll find your way through it, but the better that you are able to sort of manage your, your, your mental peace is really important.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Completely, completely agree. Um, okay. Before we wrap up, tell everyone about the new book, give us all the details. When is it Mm. out? How can people pre-order all that fun stuff?
2: you can pre-order it pretty much wherever you get your books. It's it's out there online. It's called Next Level and it is uh, out May 3rd. So it's a long time coming. It was supposed to be out in
0: 2020, but pandemic.
2: So About here
0: pandemic. we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really long lead up, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people are very excitedly waiting for that to, to hit the stands here. Um, and okay, where can everyone find you, the podcast, everything? Where's the best place?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you want to check out the work we're doing, we are at Feisty Menopause and we have an Instagram. We have a Facebook. There's a private hit play, not pause Facebook group. And it's only private because we don't let in gremlins and trolls. Like, so just, you know, let's just ask to be let in and we'll make sure you're not one of those and you can come on in. We have, I think about 8,500 women in there now. It's growing. It just keeps growing and it's awesome. It is the most supportive community of badass women that I've been part of. It's really cool. You know, so like if you want to feel like you're part of something where you can come in and be like. I I can't even begin to tell you like I'll wake up at 6 30 in the morning and someone's there's like a conversation about orgasms going on I'm like okay like here we go good start to the day good start (laughs) just (laughs) hilarious but it's just like open frank supportive you know people sharing it's really great so that is a good place to find us and the show is um on all anywhere you get your podcast hit play not pause it's On all the platforms.
0: Awesome. And I mean, I think let's just kind of like underscore that, that title of the podcast. Like the point is that menopause, perimenopause, any of that should not stop you from doing all of these awesome things. And it's great that now people have resources and similar others that they can uh, learn from and share with. So that's, it's everything. So cool. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Selene. This was really fun. I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit more terrified and less terrified all at the same time. (laughs) It's fine.
2: (laughs) Just just keep on keeping on. You'll, you'll be fine.
0: Amazing. Thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our book, becoming a consummate athlete over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments, find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.